This episode is brought to you by Jewish Workshops, your home for interactive Jewish content and online community where you can join your favorite lecturers and mentors and receive guidance to help you grow and transcend the challenges of daily life. Join me for a free live Jewish Money Makeover webinar hosted by Jewish Workshops this Wednesday, August 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mark your calendars, bring your questions, and let me help you do a money makeover, a Jewish money makeover. You don't want to miss this. Register for free at yaeltrosh.com forward slash JW. That's yaeltrush.com forward slash JW to join me at the Jewish Money Makeover live webinar. Jewish Money Matters episode 267, Ask Yael, talking about the recession. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry, to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to another episode of Ask Yael, where I answer your questions. Today's episode, I'll dedicate to the topic of the recession and answer your questions on that. Funny, not so funny. I didn't think I was going to be recording this on the day that uh, the GDP numbers came out for the second quarter, but here we are. Everything is divinely ordained. And as maybe you already know, they indicate that indeed we are in a recession, but I am getting ahead of myself here because I have a big announcement and that is that this Wednesday, August 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be live with Jewish Workshops, you know, Jewish Workshops, right? And they are a partner of the show, a sponsor of the show, giving a free Jewish money makeover webinar. So I want you all there. Registration is completely free and you can do that at yaeltrush.com forward slash JW for Jewish Workshops. It couldn't be more timely. Again, everything is divinely ordained. I think our money is top of mind for many people, um, especially we're, fe- we're feeling it. And we're going to talk about this today, right? So let's get together. Let's have a Jewish money makeover session. Um, I'll make it super enjoyable, super practical. Bring your notes, bring your questions, be there. So mark your calendars Wednesday, August 3rd for the Jewish money makeover webinar. Register at yaeltrush.com forward slash JW. JW for Jewish workshops, the amazing host of this upcoming webinar. All right, so let's dive into, I already kind of led the way with letting you know what the news of the day is, um, but why don't we just start by defining what is a recession? Uh, a recession is a period of decline in economic activity. How do we measure economic activity? And it's important that we note this, okay? And I'm gonna try to make a distinction here that's important. We measure economic activity by gross domestic product or GDP. So a a recession is officially defined as two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth or negative GDP, GDP growth, right? So what is GDP? GDP is the total value of the goods and services produced and spent in a country during a period of time. We measure it quarterly and we measure it annually, right? The numbers for the second quarter of 2022 just came out came out at negative 0.9%. Now, even more specifically, okay, let's just dive into what that actually means. GDP 
includes internal spending within our borders by consumers, right? By businesses, by the government, as well as the net exports. What other countries are spending to buy our goods and services. So it's really all about the spend, the number of dollars spent. Another simple way of looking at GDP looking at all this is that GDP measures how much demand there is for goods and services that are produced within our borders. So that being said, it's important to clarify that we're talking about a period of economic decline, not stock market decline. Okay, I do know that we have been experiencing a period of stock market decline. But what I'm trying to say is that they're not one and the same. Okay, meaning, yes, there might be a stock market decline. But the stock market is not the basis of how we measure the country's economic growth. I mean, surely if the market has an up week or a down month and all that, you know, you know, a couple months, it's all meaningful, but it doesn't necessarily mean or suggest that a recession is happening, right? Or a recession is on its way, especially these days where we also have to recognize that so much of the stock market movements and the the driving of the direction of the market has to do with technology stocks. They do a lot of that driving. So let's say Facebook or Google, they have good earnings reports, bad earnings reports, the market will move. Does it mean that necessarily the economy is headed for a slowdown? No. So really a better place to look is it's towards towards the economy as a whole and what and, and meaning consumer spending not towards the stock market and because consumer spending is what drives the economy and yes of course com- consumer spending does impact the stock market but only to a, an extent okay so I mean, everything is, there's ripple effects here because if consumers, let's say, stop buying certain products, certain companies will, within certain industries, would take an earnings hit, right? Which then that is going to impact the stock prices of those companies, right? So yes, there are ripple effects, but it's not always to say that we are headed for a recession. Um, Although, yes, I know we are, but I just want to make sure that we understand the difference, right? Um, because it, it, I think it's important because I get a lot of questions. We'll see it. There's a, there's a question from a listener that has to do with this also. A better indicator is, again, how consumers are spending and how that spend is that, that spending is impacting economic growth, okay? So again, the technical definition of a recession is two or more consecutive quarters of a decline in economic activity. So now that we know that definition, let's look at the facts. And now, yes, officially, according to that definition, we, according to how it's measured, we are in a recession, right? How long? And what is the impact of this? No one really, really knows. But here are some of the facts. The first quarter of 2022, the GDP numbers came out in the red, as we know, with annualized growth rate of negative 1.6%. That was in contrast to an an increase of almost 7% in the fourth quarter of 2021. So that was a pretty dramatic drop in GDP. Now, GDP numbers came out today as I'm recording this, right, for the second quarter. So April to June, through June, the number that came out officially as I'm recording this is negative 0.9% growth in GDP. So yes, by technical definition, um, of two quarters of negative GDP growth. That means that we're already in a recession, but we sort of knew that, right? We knew this was coming because there were other many other indicators that kind of had us all sitting on the edge of our seats, right? right? But, and, and again, it's because there, there's, there's not just, it, this is 
This is important, but it's not the only thing that economists look at. So some of the other factors that we have to consider are number one, inflation. And we already knew what was going on. And we know that inflation is at a 40 year high. As you know, the Fed has been right increasing interest rates in an effort to cool consumer demand and to slow rising prices. And what's the ripple effect of this? So it becomes too expensive if, if it becomes too expensive to borrow what happens to companies' profits, right? Um, on top of that, companies may still be facing high oil prices. So it becomes more expensive for companies to produce, to manufacture, to hire, uh, to, 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 get, to get loans, to get credit, right? So all of that, all of those factors affect consumers' ability to spend. If there are f- fewer products because there's been a slowdown in production and manufacturing because the business loans are too expensive, that's going to take a hit on GDP. Additionally, you have the impact on employment, which is one that concerns many, many people, right? If my company decides that in light of the high interest rates and the inability to borrow at affordable rates to get capital loans to grow, for example, they're going on a hiring freeze or they're going to lay people off. So that might also impact our wallets. It'll impact our paychecks, our wallets. So it impacts GDP. So again, these are the ripple effects. And So unemployment is something to really look at. Are we in a strong job market? Some people say we still are. It's kind of debatable. We're not really necessarily experiencing massive layoffs, at least not that I know of, although we did see some of that happening recently in the tech sector. So we did see that. We are seeing that. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. And we'll talk a little bit about about that. So, But all that to say that Economists don't just look at the GDP number. That is the the key number here, but they keep an eye on a few other factors, income, employment, manufacturing, retail sales, right? All of it feeds into total consumer demand, into consumer spending. These are all factors that fuel GDP. It's all interconnected. Now what, right? What now? (laughs) So listen, I'll be honest with you. When I was preparing this episode last week and going through your questions and seeing, okay, which are the ones that are relevant to the recession? And by the way, there were some that were pretty repetitive. So I summarized them and I boiled it down to three questions. Um, The question really was, are we headed towards a recession? And we know the answer to that. But really, the thing to understand here is that we always are, meaning this is going to always happen. It's inevitable. It's what the economy does. <laughs> it expands and then it contracts. It booms and then it busts, right? But the severity and the impact of a recession, the duration, the length, the policy response, it's something that nobody really knows. We can't really pre- predict that. Um, we can probably predict that the Fed will continue to raise interest rates. I think that might be a safe prediction, but how much? How many times? It's anyone's guess, right? Now, I want to point out again, again, that this is not something to alarm us or take us by surprise. It's been around since biblical times. Again, these things happen. These things happen. There, if you go back to remember Yosef, remember the story of the viceroy of Egypt, right? The son of our forefather Jacob. What do you think he experienced? He had seven good years and seven not so good years in Egypt. Remember that? And something interesting to note here is not just that, again, these cycles in the economy always happen. You remember there was a famine in the land of Israel and we had to go down to Egypt. Then there was Yosef and he also had a cycle in Egypt, right? These things are always happening. 
But if you think about something so really interesting, and I'll delve into this a little bit later and, you know, remind us of this a little bit later. But as I answer one of the listeners questions is this idea that Yosef actually made most of his money, the, the most money during the not so good years. So that is all to say that there are opportunities, the opportunities are out there. So it shouldn't be this shouldn't be a time for panic. It should be almost like a time for reflection and an action and focused action, right? And we're going to see more, um, more examples of opportunities to be had during recessionary times. All right. But the best thing we can do, in my opinion, is to control what we can control. And that is ourselves. That's all we can control. We can't control anything else. Uh, and part of that is, yes, getting educated, listening to shows like mine, <laughs> attending workshops and webinars like Jewish Money Makeover, Wednesday, August 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Nice plug there. Um, but really, um, yeah, getting educated and not getting sucked into the negativity and the panic, but rather stay focused on our goals, our mission, with tons of trust and confidence that this is a period replete with opportunities for those who are focused and with their eyes open. Okay, so on that note, let's go to the mailbag now and answer listeners' questions on the recession. Like I said, I condensed a few into the three primary. One was not a thing that repeated itself, but it was like out of, it was a different question. You'll know it soon. And then two were things that came up over and over again. And so I just condensed it into two other questions. Okay. The first question comes from Kesem, but like I said, it was repeated several times. And she says the following, she says, can you explain what's happening in the stock market now? Are we entering a recession or is this bear market a perfect opportunity to invest? So Kesem, as I said before, as I said earlier, the stock market and the economy are two different things. Related in a sense, yes, because recessions tend to come with tons of volatility and drops in the stock market. But again, the fact that we are in a bear market does not exclusively signal a recession, as we just explained. Um, hopefully I did that uh, clearly. So Again, were we entering a recession? Yeah, we, we didn't know up until now. Yes, we are in a recession. Okay, you heard me. Um, is, is the bear market that we're in, and we have been already for a little bit, for a while, feels longer than, right? Um, just don't look at your accounts. I think I've said it before. No, I'm kidding. But well, yeah, no, I'm not so kidding. Don't look. Um, is it the perfect opportunity to invest? Well, Let's talk about that, but let's first define it. Bear, what is a bear market? A bear market is officially defined as a drop of 20% or more over two months, two plus months from the market's previous highs. Okay, so let me break that down. That means that, for example, year to date, I'm going to give you some facts here, okay? The Dow Jones which is a comp a compilation of 30 of the most well-known US stocks such as Apple, Microsoft, Coca-Cola is 14% below where it started in January, right? And relative to the broader mar market technology stocks which we mentioned before are down much more. The Nasdaq is off more than 28% since the start of the year and the benchmark S&P 500 which we mentioned a lot on this show because it's usually used as a proxy for the entire stock market is is at a 20% drop from January which then brought us officially into a bear market right we're talking about 
a drop of 20% or more from the previous high. So officially we are in that, what we call a bear market. We are experiencing this again. This has happened time and time again before. Um, we're experiencing, I think it's a 22nd bear market since 1929. So yeah, they don't happen frequently, but they're normally, they're a normal part of being a long-term investor. When we start investing for the long term, we know that this comes with the territory, right? So here's a few tips um, to kind of give, um, to kind of give you an answer and, and kind of help you think through the decision of whether it's time to invest, okay? We've seen these things happen, and yet we've also seen them more dramatically. If you think about what we saw in March of 2020, when there was a panic over the pandemic that drove the Dow Jones down by 26% in like four trading days, um, we had a reversal of that the following month, and it led to like this bull run of almost two years, right? Um, as we saw, the lockdown ended up driving massive consumption of, of products and services that were tied to software, to healthcare, to just other, just many, many industries. And we had had a recession that we've talked about on the show before, 20, 2008, 2009, right? Um, there was a crisis in the housing and financial services and the Dow tanked by 55% from its 2007 high. But then by fall of 2009, we entered one of the longest winning streaks in financial history. It lasted almost 11 years until recently, until the COVID-19 pandemic, until that that um, that drop in March of 2020 that I that I spoke about. Right. So all that to say, Kesem, is this a perfect opportunity to invest? Well, I don't know if it's a perfect opportunity for you to invest, but what I do know is that it's not the time to jump ship. Um, at least it's a time to hold and to and or I should say and or to think about buying. It's not a time for drastic moves. That's really where a lot of the mistakes are happen with drastic emotional behaviors. Because think about it like, like this: if you are in a position to buy, right? Because again, I don't know. We have to put it into the context of everybody's personal finances, right? Not everybody is in a position to buy because. Maybe you don't have enough in savings or maybe you're not making enough, whatever the reason is, right? But if you buy, when you buy now, you're getting those assets, those stocks on sale at a discounted price. It's interesting. We just had this conversation in the context of teaching our children right? with Bobby Rebell. I don't know if you guys heard the episode, great episode where she talked about the fact that her grandfather said, it's always a great day to be an investor because if the stock market is doing great, then you're your assets just went up in value. And if it's not doing great, you just encountered a massive sale. So it's always a great day to be an investor, right? Which is such a an upbeat and optimistic way of looking at it. And I love that. It's true. Now we're, we are in a massive sale, which means that you can grab a lot more of the stocks than you normally would with the same amount of money. Now, as I said before, everything is context. Given the fact that there is a that we are in this recessionary period and that there is uncertainty on what's going to happen with employment, if one doesn't have cash reserves, well, one also has, has to understand that it might not be the time to take risks with our money and to invest every extra penny. Um, 
because we might we need to hold on to liquidity we, and we, we we remember that one of the lessons hopefully that came out of the pandemic was that we weren't we weren't liquid enough we didn't have enough savings most people didn't have enough savings which is why the government had to give us a bailout they had to help us out which is how we ended up in this inflation situation in the first place right so it's it's, it's all it's all connected <laughs> there's just the ripples of the ripple effects okay um so if if you're sitting in cash and you've been timid about the stock market i would say yes it's definitely a time a really good time for you um or if you have a cushion and you're not too nervous about job loss you shouldn't be nervous i shouldn't use the word but if you are in an industry where you don't see this happening you're confident that you could start something on your own or whatever it might be right um or you're already investing i would I would suggest to continue investing or at the very least not sell. <laughs> okay. You could maybe slow down if you, if it makes you feel calmer, but definitely not sell. I will, I will say a, a, a caveat though here that if you're closer to or living in retirement and your portfolio has taken a sizable hit, it, you need to be talking to a professional and reviewing your selection of funds and investments to ensure that you're not taking on too much risk right? Because now you're supposed to living off to be living off of this money. This is not the time to be making your money grow, right? You're not in the long term horizon anymore. Okay, so it's important that we understand that we're talking about if we have the benefit of time. And if we have the luxury of having some cash aside, right? Um, then then this is a great opportunity. But one of the important facts to note here is that you don't actually make or lose money until you sell your investments. So when the market is down, you haven't lost money unless you need to sell at that moment when the market is down, okay? So I'm gonna say that again, you don't actually make or lose money until you sell your investments. This is so, so important because a lot of us, and I saw this from people in my face, my Facebook group community who said, I just couldn't, I just couldn't see every day I was losing more and more money. So I just sold it all. And it's like, no, but you, that's when you actually lost the, the money, right? You were, you thought you're losing the money, but really you only lost the money the minute you sold. Uh, again, under the assumption that this person had the time, right? Again, if we have the time horizon, then we should we should definitely hold okay so that's fact that's important fact number one important fact number two that i'll add here is that over the past 30 years the s p 500 500 which i said before is pro often used as a proxy for the entire stock market has earned an annual return of 8.3 percent adjusting for inflation and that includes the market drops of the great recession that i mentioned before and that of the pandemic so again it, it's and, and you could argue if you're in real estate, you could be making more. It doesn't matter. The point is that you're making your money grow um, at a pretty good return. Definitely not a return that you're going to get elsewhere, meaning elsewhere. Again, there might be other investments, but you're not going to get it with your money sitting in the bank. OK, and definitely not when you have such inflation. OK, you're you're always going to be losing money to inflation. Now we know what that really means, right? I'll give you also some fun data points. It's important for us to realize this because again, if somebody, if we pulled out of the market in 2008 
um, unless we really had to because we were at retirement, we really, really missed out. The S&P 500 had such a run for the 10 years that followed. I think it gained over 300%, close to 14% a year since its low in March of 2009. So again, it was an incredible 10-year bull market. Bull market is the opposite of a bear market. And it's like we said, it's the opposite. So it's when stocks gain at least 20% from their most recent low, low. All right. And it's happened since the Great Depression. It's happened 12 years, 12, sorry, not 12 years, 12 other times to the S&P 500. All that to say that, again, these things happen. Okay. Economic downturns happen and also fluctuations in the market happen. Okay. There are going to be ups and downs and they are temporary and overall over time both the the stock market and the US economy bounce back. I can't say like what's going to happen with the US economy because there are many things that factor in, but I do always say I do believe in the stock market. I in general I am a believer in the stock market and if, you know, if it's not the US stock market then there's other markets out there, but I do believe in the 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 creative human and innovative human power and you know i think the economies are always going to be innovating or creating yes again everything is temporary and i just think we can't get hung up on these things okay so kesem what i would do is i would go back to your current financial picture that is always the starting point where are you holding and what your goals are and most importantly the time horizon for those goals and then you decide whether to go in and at what level. And maybe you just start dipping your toes. But I do think it's important for people to get started. And this is a good time to get started considering the low prices, let's just say like that, considering that it's a sale. Again, within context, with having seen what your current situation is. So I'm not just saying that if you don't really have any cash savings, you should be investing all your money. But I am suggesting that you should at least Hold what you have, not sell it. And if you're not in the market yet, consider starting, okay? Um, but again, just do a very important check-in with where you're holding in terms of debt and in terms of saving as well as job prospects, as we've mentioned many times on the show. All right, good luck with that, Kesem. Be sure to follow up with me. Let's hit our second question, which is the one that I told you is quite unique. Um, so I decided to obviously have it on the show, not related to the stock market per se, not and not even the economy. This question, well, yes, it is. This question comes from Devora on Facebook, and she says, "Yeah, El, I'm not concerned that much about the financials. We've been here before. I agree, Devora. I'm much more concerned about the social changes the financials will unleash. Any thoughts on this?" Wow, Devorah, what a great question and an interesting question and definitely not something that I had um, I had given much thought to, to be honest. So I appreciate it and thank you. I don't think it's, it's definitely not my expertise and probably not within, even within my comfort zone. Um, I will say this, I, I think we have, as it is, we have seen a lot of social upheaval since the pandemic. Um, I don't have to tell you, right? And I think from a Jewish perspective, and I don't know, I don't think anybody was going to expect this answer, but this, these are my thoughts on the matter. I think from a Jewish perspective, this makes perfect sense. The, the, all the turbulence, all the social upheaval, um, all the tension um, that's been happening and the unrest 
it's all a sign of the times. We are in pre-Messianic days, literally at the footsteps of Mashiach. So that comes with social unrest and difficulties on many levels. Um, As you all know, I mean, we've all been experiencing it, so it needs no explanation. I think... I think we have a more a moral decline in the fiber in, in the a, a decline in, in in the moral fiber of society, um, and of our leaders, and we have uh, social norms and behaviors that are antithetical to godliness, um, and that is also part of what is predicted to happen at right at the footstep of Mashiach um there's 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 going to be such shifts and there is going to be a tightening right a a, a tightening of the grip where you see the darkness but at the same time there's just this unrest um will it be back now to your question will it be that the recession bring about social upheaval and changes well you know what I sure hope so (laughs) and I expect that yes there will be um what are those changes going to be and what of what magnitude? I don't know. I was recently having a conversation, actually today, this morning, I was having a conversation with the founder of Ladies Get Paid, Claire Wasterman, and we were talking about the changes that have happened for women in the workforce since the pandemic. And while some things look positive now with everything that's gone on, some things just don't look, there's there's lots of, lots of progress to be made. I, again, I, I just think there's, we are experiencing a complete social overhaul like the rebirth of the world is happening that's kind of like how I feel it um and we're in it so I think it's hard for us to see and we go from kind of like crisis to crisis to crisis and then we see like the slivers of light amidst the crisis but like then it's like oh another another disaster another issue like society's like like when is this gonna end right but we're so in it Yet if we were able, which we're not, but if we were able to like zoom out, we might see, we might see, I'd like to imagine the ability to be able to see that a lot of the shifts in society, the unrest, the revelation of systemic issues, a lack of leadership, while at the same time, the revelation of tremendous ability to connect to collaborate, to induce change, to create impact at a faster pace than ever before. All of it is like the ground is shaking. So call me an optimist, but I like to see this big picture as Mashiach's times. That's really what I think it's happening. It's pretty clear to me. Maybe I'm delusional. Give me, tell me your opinion, but I have no doubts. So I think we have to keep focused on doing our part to make this happen even faster than it already is because it is happening at a very um, fast pace, right? Everything. So that hopefully we can minimize all the darkness that we see and we see much more of the light, which is there. And we tend to get glimmers of that. But hopefully we, if we do our part and we work hard on revealing the light, um, we'll get to a point where we'll only see the light. So may it be very, very soon. And that is the extent of my socio-political commentary. How about that? All right. I don't know, Devorah. That's my answer. I'd love to know what you think. I'm refusing to be fatalistic. Is that a word? I hope it's a word. All right. Question number three. Again, it's a compilation of several people's questions, but I selected what Sarah is saying. Several people asked something pretty similar and Sarah asks on Facebook, 
Can you talk about entrepreneurship during a recession? How to price your products and services and what can make them attractive during these challenging times? What a great question. I think it's very important. Again, several people asked it. So Sarah and those of you asking about entrepreneurship, if you think about some of the big, huge companies that we all love and know today, a lot of them started during recessions. Hewlett Packard started in the Great Depression. Microsoft started in a recession in the 1970s. Uber, um, I think we all knew that, right? During the 2007, 2009 period. So did Airbnb. So did Venmo, as many of the fintech companies. Warby Parker, where I buy my glasses. They should sponsor this show, right? Um, also started through that, during that recession. So many others uh, back, you know, much earlier. Microsoft in the 70s. Even Trader Joe's. I did not know this. We all love Trader Joe's. Well, that came about from a recession in the late 50s. So many, many, many companies. Revlon, Disney, you name it. MTV. I mean, <laughs> you can Google it. You'll have fun. Uh, you'll get inspiration, I hope. But it's not even these massive companies that we all know today. But if you talk to many entrepreneurs on a, entrepreneurs on a smaller scale, you'll, you'll very often hear stories of how trying times really challenged them, help them challenge, challenge them, but they challenged themselves to reinvent their business and to grow during the challenging times and that they had success. I mean, even during the pandemic, so many people were making so much money, right? So the opportunities are there. Why is entrepreneurship so hot during a recession? And this is this is important here. It's one, it's because when you're in a pressure cooker, well, you know what's going to happen when you don't have income or you're you are, you know, kind of knowing what's coming or everybody around you is getting laid off, right? You are more motivated to think outside the box. I mean, that happened to me um, earlier in my, it wasn't a recession per se, but I, there were a lot of layoffs around me and I won a, a job I had in Miami. Um, there was actually what had happened is the Latin American markets had crashed and my company was US based, but all of our customers, all of our entire co company was based in Latin America. So um, I knew what was coming and there were tons of layoffs and, you know, I wish I could say, well, I started a business then I didn't, although I should have, because I always, always wanted to be myself and, and run something on my own. I did end up doing that eventually, both with my husband and my, by myself. But at that point I realized, well, um, I better make a plan of action. And I actually did. I started applying to grad school. And uh, over the next year, I prepared to go to grad school because I sort of knew what was coming and what was happening around me. So that's to say that, you know, when you're in that pressure cooker, when you don't have income or you're fearing for your income, you're more motivated to think outside the box. And uh, I didn't mean to suggest that thinking outside the box is going back to school. I think there are other more interesting options, right, um, here. And you're asking about entrepreneurship. So meaning to become more innovative, to take more risks, because what else do I have to lose, right? <laughs> that's that's one thing to consider, right, That, that of what's going on. But the other thing is really the economics of this, that the cost of starting a business in, during a recession is typically lower than it might be otherwise, because particularly the cost of hiring. Again, hiring um, right now, Yes, we know that when it comes to borrowing, borrowing might be high or higher. I mean, it's not terribly high. I mean, if we think about what our you know, 
previous generation faced in terms of interest rate, but it is higher than what we thought was the norm, right? But that's not the only, borrowing is not the only cost of business. There's, like I said, there's hiring. There's also other vendors and suppliers that are willing to be more flexible with their terms to get your business, etc. So these things do help when it comes to starting something new. And of course, it's important to note that the level of impact that the recession has or any recession has on certain industries changes and that depends on the recession and what what causes the recession, meaning that not every industry suffers the same in the same way. Um, in the last recession, I think we all know that it was financial services, it was real estate, it was housing, those industries suffer disproportionately compared, you know, compared to others, right? So what did we see come out of that? We saw a lot of fintech come out of the recession because consumers were losing trust in traditional financial companies. So their ne change needed to happen. So innovators were like, well, let's create new digital products that are more accessible, that are more transparent, more user-friendly. And so we just saw that fintech industry explode since that last recession to all of our benefits. Now we like, we love that we have all these things, right? Um, but again, it's no coincidence that why that happened, right? So people look for the opportunity for change that the challenge is is pointing to, that the challenge is leaving us with. Like if the challenge has left ex or uh, exposed a void or an inefficiency in the market that I can solve, right? That's the question I'm asking myself. What, what is the inefficiency in this market that now I know I, I could have a solution for, right? Um, because that's what the challenge is going to start as things kind of like, again, as things get shaken up, we start seeing where, where the opportunities are, what, where's the void that, and the void and the need that, that needs to be met. Right? So again, the recession doesn't hit all industries equally, but just to give you that perspective, that awareness that there is opportunity. Now I do want to acknowledge that yes, some businesses do suffer from a sales downturn during a recession. Um, but again, there are others who end up with a sharp increase in revenue. So, you know, the, the idea that, especially when it comes to smaller businesses, the idea that they are particularly vulnerable to recessions is also open for debate. I mean, I know during the pandemic, I mean, that was that was a very unique situation, right? But many small businesses got hit. Um, restaurants had to close down. I mean, we like it was it was it, it was it was different in a sense. And again, there were other businesses that really thrived. But what I want to say is that what smaller businesses might lack in resources and in cash, they more than make up in terms of speed and flexibility. And that's something to be proud of and be um, and embrace and understand that that is an asset. Okay, so all why am I bringing this up? Because I think as you put your question in context into grand scheme of things, and you say, Okay, well, I, I as an entrepreneur, have more flexibility. There's also more opportunities, right? So these are these are important things to consider. Now, what do I do? I have to go back to the fundamental principle of business that is I'm here to serve. Having that service mindset first. How can I serve my customer, right? Um, I think that is a mindset and an approach that becomes even more relevant during a recession. It's always relevant, but even more, more relevant now be, 
the uh, your ability to as a business owner to ask yourself what are my customers struggling with and in what ways do we see this recession exacerbating their struggle right trying to get to understand what your customer is struggling with what can then based on that what can we create for them and how can we communicate with them in a way that highlights our value the value of our product or service and the fact that we're here precisely to help them with that problem so it's something that we've said again and again on the show right it goes back to communicating that value and being focused on the value so before sarah before thinking about reducing your prices i would think more strategically i would really get down to define the value that you offer your customers really get so clear on that and any any the more you have that clarity the more you have that understanding of what is the value that you deliver to those customers the more control over your decisions and confidence in your decisions in terms of pricing you're going to have right because that's what pricing is okay so i don't want you to focus on the pricing i want you to focus on the value one important thing that we should always be doing, but now is even more relevant, is interviewing your customers. Find out how they view your products and services. This is going to be hugely important, again, because you're going to know how you're meeting their needs and where you're not meeting them so that you can meet them, right? Think about the range of your offerings. This is going to be super, super important. Again, I want you to think strategically. What does that mean, thinking about the range of your offerings? This is a great opportunity to create a low to high value offer to have a range you could also not only could you have a range but you could also bundle your products and services and establish price accordingly which then enables you to serve a more cost conscious consumer or and and also a more value conscious consumer without having to cut your prices what i wouldn't do sarah and i think i'm already saying that already throughout this narrative of mine is I wouldn't discount your products or services in order to compete with others in your industry. That's definitely not going to be a good idea um, to go in in that direction without making the proper value adjustment. Again, if you're creating a suite of products that is less value, yet valuable, it still delivers some value, but it's less and therefore warrants a a lower price because you're going to have a suite of products, then that makes sense, right? It's always about value. We don't sell price, we sell value. I've said it many times. The minute you start focusing on price, you're really entering like this price war, okay? Where you're, it's like a downward spiral of death, (laughs) pricing death, if you will, right? Um, So it's better to focus on creating bundles, different tiers, range of low to high value offerings. Um, I also would caution you against reducing prices on your high value products and services. Um, But rather what I would do during a recession, and if you wanted to really serve your audience better, is I think a better strategy is to add, to keep your high value products because there are people who will need them. And you have to understand that, again, you deliver a certain value with that, right? Keep them priced appropriately, but focus on adding, like I said, other things to the menu, so to speak, and offering a bigger selection of lower value products and services. So it really is kind of like a diversification strategy, right? But one that is centered on value and not on price. Um, I also will add to that, Sarah, you didn't ask about this, but now we're just thinking strategically 
about entrepreneurship during this time. I also would add that it's always a really good thing to consider partnering with others um, in your business and others in your industry where there might be synergies that you can create offers together. Again, adding value because now you're two companies or two, two people to what, whatever you are, right? Expand two businesses businesses expanding your reach and at the same time reducing so you're adding more you're adding more value by joining forces in many and on many um, in many cases okay not always but i want you to consider this you're expanding your reach and at the same time you're reducing some of the cost and you're also leveraging from each other and learning and learning from each other i should say also generating new ideas so see this as an opportunity to be more creative and aggressive and move faster than ever before in your business take more risks rather than you know being afraid of uh, how are people gonna perceive me how are people gonna pay me right um rather than seeing it as you know with as like that this is going to be a challenge to your bottom line i would say stay hyper focused on that value proposition and your top line um rather than staying so focused on that pricing and so again um i hope that helps I don't know if anybody has any more ideas for Sarah, but I thought that was, um, yeah, thank you for the question. All I have to say, I think I usually have a big rant on entrepreneurship. I think that gives you a lot of ideas. Just to reiterate one thing that I only mentioned in passing, list, listening, asking your, your, your consumer. I think it's a great time to survey our, our audiences, our consumers, and really get to the heart of what they need and how we can be serving them better. That's really at the crux of it. All right. So that is a wrap, ladies. Yes, there is a recession. And again, we don't know the depth. We don't know the length. We don't know the extent and the impact, but we do know that that we can control what we do. And we also do know that there are opportunities to be had and that there will always, these things will always happen. There will always be periods during our lives when the economy is going to do better than other times, right? And the thing that we need to focus on is that we're making the best decisions for ourselves, for our families in terms of allocating money in ways that are intentional and aligned with our values, that everything is being values aligned and prioritizing Things like saving, investing, paying that debt, down debt, right? Those fundamentals that so many of our guests have mentioned here on the show, they still are relevant uh, to the extent that we can, obviously. Um, but also, because sometimes we can't do much about that, then looking at our earnings potential. Um, we just finished talking about entrepreneurship. How can we earn more money? Because making an extra $500 or $1,000 a month can be really life-changing, especially if we're trying to save up, if we're trying to pay down debt, if we're trying to get uh, get our fundamentals in order, right? right? Um, so I want to encourage everybody to, if you're not yet, to really start thinking, again, not from a place of panic, but from a place of, wow, this might be a great opportunity. This might be a great time for me to just do something completely scary complete let's be honest it might be completely scary but complete but super life-changing and super fulfilling and think so think beyond the traditional employment because we know that wages are stagnant have been stagnant for a while we know what the cost the the rise in the cost of living is just exorbitant we all know it it's traumatic there might be layoffs happening i don't want anybody to panic but if that's the reality then i mean if that's going to be then that's going to be but all of us here listening are actually sitting on a gold mine. We are our 
spouses are our husband. So by the way, this is, you can encourage your husband if he's struggling with, oh my gosh, now what's going to be? Well, this is a time to really give him encouragement because really we all are sitting on a gold mine of talent and experience and expertise and ideas that we can monetize. And in this day and age, again, going back to me being the optimist about the days of Mashiach, in this day and age, it is easier and faster than ever before to monetize that talent and that expertise and that experience. All right. And finally, I will go back to the example of Yosef that I talked about in the beginning is um, that one of the things that we saw there and that we see historically is that the periods of economic expansion tend to be historically longer than those of economic contraction. So let's just seize the opportunities to be had. Let's do that. Let's tune out the crazy noise. Maybe we don't look at the news so often. We don't watch. And one final note, again, I did allude to this, to the example with the example of Yosef and the seven good years. And I mean, yeah, the seven good years and the two not so good years is that to remind ourselves that periods of economic expansion tend to historically last longer than those of economic contraction. So let's seize the opportunities to be had. Let's tune out the crazy noise out there and the panic. And let's remember that this too shall pass, as the great King Salman said. But I'm not saying that actually in as in giving you permission to be passive about this, but rather as a reminder to stay tranquil and calm as at the same time as you stay actively engaged and actively focused on searching for opportunities to add value, to seize those moments, those opportunities, and to continue to grow. Next up, we're going to be talking about organization and creating systems to reduce overwhelm. (laughs) I think we can use some of that. We're going to be talking with productivity coach Abby Friedman. That's up next Monday. I will see you here and be sure to please send in your questions for next Friday's episode as well as those reviews so that I can pick a reviewer of the week next Friday and gift you a 20-minute session. And as a reminder, head over to yaltrush.com forward slash JW for Jewish Workshops, my new partner in this endeavor. We are launching a live free webinar, so timely, Jewish Money Makeover this Wednesday, 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, completely free. You register at yaltrush.com forward slash JW. Thank you for being here. Keep doing the good work and sending in those amazing questions, keeping me on my toes and excited to come here every week. I'll see you here Monday with Abby Friedman. Have a Shabbat Shalom.